It's all about your health, your wellness. RadioMD. RadioMD.com. Get healthier, get fit, eat better, have a richer quality of life. Health on the go. Staying well with Melanie Cole, MS. Diabetes is on the rise in the entire nation. It's becoming quite an epidemic as obesity is increasing, but it's also on the rise among minorities. And what makes minorities more at risk for this disease? My guest is Dr. Kieran Mather. He's an endocrinologist at Indiana University Health. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mather. So why are minorities more at risk for diabetes right now than their counterparts? So this is an interesting question that has been uh, top of mind for the last 10 or 15 years as uh, interest in preventing diabetes has come to the fore. Uh, we know that folks with uh, non-Caucasian heritage have a higher rate overall. Uh, even in African Americans, the, the rate is something like 80% higher than than, uh, than the white population, but other minorities also have increased rates. It seems to be that there's some phenomenon of genetics in the background of that, but beyond genetics, in family history, there are things like cultural attitudes and um, dietary things that play into the mix and uh, you know attitudes toward exercise that seem to be uh, different among different uh, groupings of people. Uh, socioeconomic status plays a role in that because of access to exercise and uh, uh, access to foods in the area, and also even what the neighborhoods look like. So there are a lot of phenomena that we know that are sort of in, in our control overall that are part of that risk, and then phenomena that we that we don't understand that still uh, contribute importantly to that risk. So let's first speak, Dr. Mather, about those cultural things you were discussing as far as food. Exercise we're going to get to, but the food cultures, you know, come from wherever they're from and maybe include high-fat foods and deep-fried foods or, you know, that sort of culture. If we were to educate, what would you want people to know about teaching a healthier diet when this is something that's been so ingrained in them for a very long time? Well, and it's ingrained not just in, in what's taught and handed down from generation to generation, but also in what you feel is right for you and, uh, you know, things like family gatherings and things. So, so it's really, as you say, ingrained in the whole, in the whole cultural aspect of things. What, there are sort of two components. There's the amount of food and then there's the composition of the food. And I think just even, as a, even without any other information about somebody who is at risk of diabetes, you'd say, well, actually, you should probably have less food, fewer calories overall. Uh, and uh, that's easy to say and hard to implement, but it seems to be a truism that uh, that we, as a society, we're eating too much food, whether it's minorities or otherwise. Um, the composition of the food, you, you brought up fried, fried foods specifically, and that's certainly something that is, uh, you know, carries a lot of fat, carries a lot of calories, along with whatever the food itself might be, and that clearly is, is a risk factor. That does seem to be something that is, uh, you know, for example, predominantly in in, uh, in the South, there's a lot more fried food than in other parts of the country, and that coincides with the higher risks of diabetes in the South in general. Um, I don't think that's specifically a, a risk related to minority status. That's just something that's regional and, and passed down with the food. Um, the, the overall uh, advice in that is to avoid fried foods. You know, it's not, it's never, you shouldn't have anything at all, but avoid them, make them a, a less prominent part of the diet, and switch to fresh fruits and vegetables. It seems like uh, you know, stuff your mother and your grandmother would tell you, but it's good advice. 
Okay, so Dr. Mather, I'm an exercise physiologist, and when I look at the disparities, and so much of it is, as you mentioned, access to health care, preventative well visits that might catch something before it becomes a disease state, and or help them with education. How do we get to the minorities to educate them about exercise, about a healthier lifestyle when some of them don't have sidewalks to walk to school? Recess and gym have been cut in the schools, you know, due to academic needs. The neighborhoods are dangerous. The parks are not well to play in. I mean, it's huge. It's bigger than we could even possibly imagine. What would you want the first strategy to be if you were king and you could say, I want to do this, what would you suggest? Well, so we have experience from a couple of projects worldwide, including a big one that was done here in the United States called the Diabetes Prevention Program, where exercise played a primary role in what was shown to be effective. And, and I'm sure you know, and, and many members of the, of the listening audience will know, the Diabetes Prevention Program showed that exercise was the more effective of the two therapies that were tried, where the other therapy was um, a medicine called metformin. That was... Um, using exercise as a component of a lifestyle uh, intervention where there was there were changes in diet in addition to exercise, but clearly exercise was a major component of that. And any program that's going to be successful is going to include advice on that. Um, there are barriers. There are logistical barriers and practical barriers to implementing it on the issues that you raised in terms of what's around and, and whether it's safe to do so, for example. Um, the YMCAs are, uh, you know, widely distributed and often uh, a venue that's accessible to everyone in the city. Uh, they tend not only to be in areas uh, of, uh, of any particular uh, subset of the population, and so often everyone has access to a YMCA. Uh, and they have a version of the diabetes prevention program, including the exercise component that they're implementing nationwide. So that's something that's easily accessible. Um, there are other other versions. There are other new studies undergo underway that incorporate ac- exercises. Their regimen. There's a, a version of the diabetes prevention program that they're trying to implement uh, specifically in African American African American communities through churches. Um, so that's a venue that folks are already attending. And then uh, they get some education. They get an opportunity for intervention at the level of the diet as well as intervention at the level of exercise. And so, um, you know, there are imaginative projects underway that are finding ways to bring exercise to the fore in, in people's daily lives where it's otherwise quite difficult and not habitual. So it's, it's an effort to do that. So as far as managing the disease once it has occurred, are there enough specialists such as yourself in areas where this is needed? Do you see that there are colleges training minorities in endocrinology, in prevention, in exercises, medicine, so that they can go into these communities and help people manage their disease? So the short answer is there's nowhere near enough endocrinologists for the number of people with diabetes, regardless of whether it's minority problem or otherwise. Um, so that beholds us not only to train endocrinologists specifically to issues of their region and the region where they want to live and work, uh, but also primary care physicians who are the front line for all of this diabetes epidemic that we're experiencing and, and also the obesity epidemic that we're experiencing. So these are issues that need to be taught uh, for folks who are going to be working in their in any specific area of their of their city, whether it's a an African American community or Mexican American community, or even parts of the country where there are Native American folks, um, you know their risk is also uh, comparably elevated, and so we need you know culturally sensitive and uh, socioeconomically aware 
practicality-aware versions of making these interventions happen. I think that you're absolutely right. There are not enough of you and that the ones that are need to be really in those communities and we can train other specialists to go in and help, as you say, at the churches and the schools and education is certainly the key. If you would please, Dr. Mather, in the last minute, give us your best advice for identifying these disparities and strategies for managing diabetes in the minority population. So the disparities by ethnicity are relatively easily identified simply by looking at um, where someone is living, where someone is coming from. It does seem to stratify by socioeconomic status as well as by uh, the observable ethnicity or the claimed ethnicity of a person. Um, And so you might simply identify someone on the basis of their self-label and and say, well, you know, your community is at increased risk of diabetes, and these are the kinds of things that we recommend. You can do a more specific screening for the individual. You can ask the individual about their their particular family history. For a woman, whether she had gestational diabetes, uh, what their weight is or what their exercise patterns are, and then make recommendations, whether that's the known um, diabetes, diabetes prevention program, uh, lifestyle and uh, weight loss kind of recommendations or more uh, interventional sort of underway studies that are applying those in different ways or studies that are, new studies that are using medications to try and prevent Thank diabetes. you. And thank you so much, Dr. Mather. You're listening to Radio MD. This is Melanie Cole. Stay well.